that I have seen happening in the church and happening in the life of the believer. The one set of believers who are experiencing a great joy and great excitement. And then there's another set that it seems as if the joy is being withered away. When you go throughout the churches, there's a great dissatisfaction for church and for what's happening in the church. The fact is that we won't deal with that issue. Our young people do not desire church. And the church that they desire is a lukewarm version of what God has ordained church to be. And we have continued along that flow. Each year a new ministry comes to life. And all it does is reproduce the same thing. We have conferences after conferences, meetings after meetings. We get good words and, and that's it. We have just added more knowledge to our experience. But the living reality with Jesus on the inside... And the expression of it is missing. So let me tell you this. And I don't mean to be rude. My mission here is not to get you excited. Neither is it to, to get you to like me. There's, there's, there's no need for that. And I'll be honest with you, God is not satisfied with what's happening in the earth, happening in the church, in general, and happening in the city. Now, someone may say, who is he? Well, first of all, God has called me as a prophet. Not you, God. And he says... In the book of Jeremiah, and he had to remind me today, he says, I'll put my words in your mouth. His words in my mouth, so I am the one who makes the decision whether to speak it or not. Okay. Now, it says if I don't speak it, and anything happens to you, then your blood is on my shoulders. I don't intend to leave here with a bloody jacket. Okay? All right. Now, what am I saying? There must be a shift in what's happening, and there must be a shift in our understanding, and there must be a shift in our obedience. We have lived in a wrong concept of what church is about. And although we have been hearing so much word about the shift in our understanding from just being church-minded to kingdom-minded, what we have done is that we have continued in the old mindset. We have just changed our speech. Or we have just added knowledge to our speech. But we have lived in the same manner. 
We have just lived in the same manner. Now, the more we continue to live in the same manner is the more we push another generation away from the Lord. Now, some of you may have heard me say this. The most divided group of people in any city right now in the world is church leaders. Not the church, the leaders. Now, the seed of a thing is in the fruit. The fruit produces after its kind. If there is division in the leaders, guess what? Guess where the harvest is going to be? In the people. And I'm not talking about this thing that we call unity. Because there is no such thing as unity around a purpose. There is only unity around the Lord and His Word. How do I know that? Because the day it is tested, it gets broken up. In many cities we have pastors and leaders come together to meet for meetings around common purposes. That's what it is. That's what we say. But the day when we begin to have to deal with serious issues of the kingdom is splinters. And it has been reflected even now in the churches, in our marriages. I don't know what's happening in this country, but I know in America and across the world, it has become accepted now that when a husband and wife comes to this point of some differences, it is now accepted. It is time for me to, or, or it's time where I hear the Lord saying, it was the wrong person. It was the wrong allegiance. Let's move on. To the next thing in the spirit. In the name of the Lord. Now. In Ephesians chapter 5. When Paul speaks about marriage. He concludes something. He says. I am not speaking about marriage. As a focus here. He says. I am speaking about a relationship. Of Christ. And the church. Now. And you have heard it right across the nations. This, the rate of divorce among Christian leaders has escalated. And if anyone in here, you have gone through that, please. I don't know if that has happened to anybody, so I'm not talking about you. But if you were in that camp and that's what you did, you need to repent. Okay. Where we come to this point that where there are differences, instead of looking... To the only one and his word around which we can be united, we begin to look inwardly to ourselves and our motives and our desires, and immediately we begin to hear the Lord.
And God will always lead you according to the condition of your heart. So do not be impressed when someone tells you, the Spirit told me. Because God will lead you according to the condition of your heart. What do I mean by that? Let's look at an example before we come to Luke 14. Let's look at Numbers 21. We all know, or we should know that story of Balaam. And let me tell you something too, and this, this has me, whenever, that's why I don't like being introduced as a prophet, even though I know that I am. Because there is a warped understanding of the office of the prophet. That must be adjusted. But God rebuked, not rebuked, God spoke to Ezekiel and says, When these leaders of the land come before you and sit in front of you with the things that are going on in their heart, saying prophesy to us, he says, Ezekiel, I will do the talking. Because he says, you're not going to prophesy and tell them what they want to hear. I'm going to deal with the idolatry on the inside. This is the hour where God is raising up a prophetic ministry that's going to address the idolatry that's been the inside of the leaders of the land. Now what does the word of God say about judgment? Where will it first begin? At the house of God. And when it says the house, we leaders love to think it's the congregation. It will begin first in leadership. Now, Numbers 22. I'll just capsulate from verse 1 down. The children of Israel are now left Egypt and Balak of Moab is afraid because he sees what God is doing through them. So he sends to the prophet. In verse 5 of Numbers 22. Then he sent messengers to Balaam the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring that word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? So Balaam said to God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Look, the people has come to me, saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they have covered the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall, shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. 
So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balaam, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. The princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus said Balak the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. For I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come and curse this people for me. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore, please, you also stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that shall you do. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was roused, aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Now, we're talking about the leading of the heart. Here comes these men to Balaam. The first thing that should have triggered Balaam's heart is when God asked him, Who are these men? No. When God asks you a stupid question, don't pretend to be wise. You can imagine that God is saying to Balaam, the one who sees everything in the earth and knows the heart of men, who are these men? God was trying to get Balaam to recognize that he had a heart issue. Balaam speaks to God. God says to Balaam, do not go with them. So Balaam sends them away. They return. Balaam comes back to God. Should I go with them? Now, God has already spoken. Do not go with them. Now, Balaam is inquiring again. Should I go with them? And what happens next? God says, yes, go. Now, look on verse 22. Twenty to twenty-two, And God said to Balaam at night, and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that shall ye do. Did God give Balaam permission to go? According to that verse. Yes. God tells him, go, and you only speak my words. But look on verse 22. 21, so Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went to the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. You will receive leading from the Lord according to the condition of your heart. It was never God's will for him to go, even though God told him to go. 
I hope you see that. God is trying to realign our hearts again to the fear of God. Our heart conditions have been warped, especially in the realm of leaders. And so because we believe we are hearing God does not mean that we are accurately in line with God and the plan of God. God will respond to the condition of our heart. There it is. He told him go. And then he was upset with him for going. Because he should not even have been inquiring of the Lord. And let me share this. A lot of these divorces you see taking place among church leaders in the name of the Lord is an abomination. God is not a God who breaks covenant. It is supposed to be covenant before the Lord. Now, this is the point I was making. Unity is not formed around what I believe. Unity is formed around the Lord and His Word. Now, when we, when we compromise this stand for a false unity, we are raising up images of idolatry before God. And that's why the kingdom of God doesn't advance. Our church activities advance, but the kingdom doesn't advance. I hope you're all understanding what the Lord is saying. And I know this is not one of those exciting messages that gets us whooping and hollering and, you know, jumping off the chairs. But this is not the time for that. God's people must now stop. And if you go into the book of Ezekiel you'll see something that God releases the prophet into the church to do. He says, measure the church. Measure the house. God is always measuring His people to see if they are coming up to the one standard God has. There is not your standard, my standard, this kingdom church standard, that charismatic church standard, the apostolic church. There is no such thing. There is one standard. And that's God's standard. And God does not compromise His standard. He does not. Now, it is time for us to return to the Lord that we might be purified. That's why in Hosea, Hosea, H-O-S-E-A, 10 verse 12, it says, break up the fallow ground. Now what's fallow ground? It's ground that has been trodden upon so much, it has become hard. Our hearts and our hearing has become hardened because of our compromise and our disobedience. And in that state, God will speak and give us things to do, even though it's not His perfect will. Now, let me give you an example. The children of Israel in the wilderness were being led by the Lord. Isn't that true? But they were not in the will of God. They saw the cloud and the pillar every day. It was God who led them. 
but they were out of the will of God. A lot of what's happening in the church under the leading of the Holy Ghost is God waiting for a generation to die. But He's covenanted to lead them until they die. That He can find another generation who have an immediate heart of obedience, who are more concerned about the will of God than about my thing. When God finds in this city men and women who have at the heart, the core of their heart, one thing, not their ministry, not their calling, not who thinks what, not to reproduce what's happening in Sydney down here, or reproduce what's happening in South Korea down here. They have one thing in mind, what Jesus wants. They have one thing in mind, we will pursue to find the standard of God, the will of God, the perfect will of God, and it does not matter, they will not compromise, then we will see God turn up. We won't have to tell this young generation as we call them, come on, you need to serve the Lord. No, God has been the one keeping them out there. Their rebellion has been because of us. God has kept them away from this junk. It is better for them to remain in sin than to come and get corrupted by religion. Because religion is like a little bit of the of of the of the of the uh, of, of of the disease that you put in a man, and then he develops antibodies to resist the real thing. Are you all hearing? And so God has deliberately kept some of them in Babylon. And let them go and do some things in Babylon, even making money and all of that, until the time when he can bring a restoration of the truth. That they can be birthed into that. Once they're saved, they have a, are brought into a true relationship with the living Jesus and all that he's after. Church, God is not pleased. With what's happening in the church, right? Among leaders. I'm not talking about the church now. I don't know I don't know how many leaders are in here, but God's not pleased. The fact that you can talk about the Holy Ghost and you see the cloud and the fire is just God's goodness waiting for you to die. Do you remember God came to Israel once and he says in Deuteronomy, how long will you camp at this mountain? You remember that, that thing? He says, get up and move northward. Now, what's the problem with that statement? God comes to them and says, why are you here so long? But the Bible tells me, they moved when the cloud moved. They moved when the fire moved. So how can God say then, you are the one sitting down here. When, when we see from the records that they move when the cloud move. So it means God was saying, it's the condition of your heart. That's the issue. Now, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9 because... 
There's been a lot of teaching about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. It's the latest message. Isn't that true? Do you know what Luke chapter 5 says about new wine? How do you deal with new wine? New wine must be poured into new wine skin or what will happen? What will happen? It will destroy the wine skin and the wine. Do you know what is beginning to happen with this, this message of the mystery of the kingdom? It is about to be destroyed. Oh Lord, I know, I know how that sounds. Because we have been busy trying to put new wine in old wineskins. Men and women who have not made a decision to change. We have just decided to add it to the old wine. And so what, look, look what's happening. Because everybody is now talking kingdom. It's no longer having the impact that it should. Because men have just added it to the old wine. So we see old wine skins walking around talking about kingdom. Kingdom, kingdom. A new wine skin is a man and a woman who have made the necessary adjustments. And the only way we come a kingdom man and woman is to be able to forget and die to all that we knew before the message of the kingdom came. Even though it was good. Are you all hearing? Now, where did I tell you to go? Isaiah 9. Thank you. Now, in this season of the year that they call Christmas, you hear this being read a lot. Verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. We only need the music in the background now. Oh, dear old angels. Okay. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So the kingdom of God is going to do what? Continually increasing and expanding. But let's read. Two, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to do what? Two, what's the first thing there? Order it. Everybody say order. Second thing, and establish it with judgment and justice. Now get this. 
The kingdom is not established unless the order of God is in place. So let me use a current example. Certain nations take a trip over to Iraq. Military moves in. Bam, 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 bam. What happens next? They're trying to bring order. If the nation is going to be established. But guess what? It's not being established because they have not been able to bring order. So the coming of the kingdom is one thing. If the kingdom is going to take root and become the ruling influence, order and government has to be established. Well, it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. It is not enough to declare over Bendigo, the kingdom of God is here. That must be done. But the next thing God goes to is the issue of order. Where there is no order, there is no establishment of the kingdom, which is the goal of God. So these nations run into some of these countries, bringing their troops. Bam! We are coming to bring democracy. But they had no plan for how the order was going to be set up. What happens next? Chaos. That's right. Now look in the church and tell me what's happening. There is an absence of order. Now I'm not talking about the order of man. You see, when we came into the charismatic Pentecostal realm, all of a sudden we wanted to destroy all the order of the denomination. Oh, they're just too structured and ordered. We have the Spirit. Well, in the book of Genesis, it says that the earth was without form and without void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. So guess what? The Spirit by Himself does not bring order. There was darkness, there was confusion, and the Holy Ghost was moving all over that. So what we're having in the church is anointed disorder. But God isn't satisfied with that. God stepped in and says He's bringing order in the earth. He sets the earth back in its order and He puts a man to keep it in order. Now that's what he's trying to raise up in Bendigo. Having declared the kingdom of God in this region, he is seeking to bring the church and the city into an order and prepare a people who can keep that order. So you see, our, our, our viewpoint of church must be destroyed. Our reasons for coming together is either many times money, selfish ambition, 
and, and, and all kind of things in the name of the Holy Ghost. Now, please, I have not been investigating anybody's life in here, so please do not take it as me trying to destroy what anybody has. I told you, now I understand why God doesn't tell me what He's going to use me to share until it's time to share. In recent times at least. God calls Ezekiel into the temple and He shows him the man who is measuring the temple. He says, measure it. Now, here it says that if he's in Isaiah 9, it speaks about to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. When the kingdom is ordered and the kingdom is established, the result will be justice and judgment being manifested for the poor of the earth, the oppressed of the earth, and the rescue of a generation. So if we want to see the next generation of young men and young women rescued, we must turn to having the order of God established in our lives. That's the best thing we can do. Stop preaching to them and tell them they're out of order because you know what they say to us? Go look on yourself. And no matter how we try to Christianize it and hide it behind, you know, you're just rebellious and you're going to hell and you just need to... Oh, excuse me, please. They're hearing us every day, seeing us every day. I have sat in church leaders meeting and watched the mighty men and women of God come to the boiling point of hands up. And then come out the following day. God's mighty man of God for the hour. I've watched the divorce rate escalate among our mighty men and women. We have watched all the stories coming out now of the fall of the stars. You see when the scripture says in the end times, the sun and the moon and the stars will fall. We're thinking it's the physical one. If you want to understand that, go to Joseph when he had the dream. The sun, and the, star, the sun and the moon was the mother and the father representing certain authority. The star representing certain brothers. What's happening is that they're falling. Because God is dismantling that old order. Because it does not carry the life of the kingdom. Now, Go over to 1st Chronicles chapter 13 because the order of God is not something light. When God sets the earth in order, the first thing He puts in place is a man. Okay. Now, now Satan has more revelation. Or, or he's afraid and he knows the truth concerning order. Why do you think the women's liberation movement has become such a force in the earth? Because Satan knows 
if he disturbs the order, he can destroy the purposes of God, or so he thinks. God made man first. He knew what he was doing. And please, ladies, I'm not talking about abuse or any such thing. We're talking about order. And even in among church leaders currently across the earth, many of the wives have become the lead, the head of the household. That's out of the order of God. That's a Jezebel spirit in operation. Please don't take this personal. Just adjust to the word of the Lord. It's not easy for me to share this, but this is where God's leading me, so that's where we go. He says, a man first. God is the all-wise God. He knows what he wants. Then he brings to the man a woman not to his side, not his feet. Too many ministers currently who have their wives under the feet. The only thing that's supposed to be under the feet is Satan. He said, The God of peace shall shortly bruise Satan under the feet. Now, he says, It is not good that man should be all one. Not lonely. He wasn't lonely. It's not good that he should be all one. Alone. Yes. He needs one who is going to assist him in fulfilling his kingdom mandate to keep the earth in order. That's the first order or the second order we see there. The first order is his relationship with God. If you lose the relationship with God, the order has been affected. But the second order is that a woman and a man working together to establish the kingdom in the earth. Okay. So then, if a man begins to live his life for his wife, he's missing the purpose of God. You live for God, and his wife comes alongside him together to see the rule of God, the kingdom of God, and the order of God maintained. And you're supposed to walk that together. Now you might say, why am I sharing these things? Because it might not be happening here in Bendigo, but it's off in the church. All over, it's off. It's time for that to change. Time for that to change. You recognize where a lot of these female-led ministries, please don't take this negatively. But all of a sudden, you're hearing all kind of issues taking place with the husbands. Husbands committing sexual sins. Is that justifiable? No. But something with the order was wrong. Where the order is out of place, the enemy finds a place to work. Aren't these women anointed? Yes, they are anointed. But that has nothing to do with the order. If she becomes the boss of that union by reason of her anointing and her ministry, the order has gone wrong. 
pride has taken over. Do you remember what Satan said? I will ascend into the hill of God. The order began to be shifted. He wasn't supposed to ascend into the hill of God. I will be like the Most High. He got lifted up in his beauty. That's what has been happening to a lot of our sisters whose ministries have come to prominence. They're being lifted up in pride and the enemy has now found a place in it to bring them down. Now, please, church, the point God is trying to make and show tonight that this thing about examining the order of God and turning back to God is a serious issue. It's not a light issue. Listen, the issue is not about your anointing or your gifting or your talent. It is about God and it's about His order and it's about His kingdom. Are you all hearing? Or some of you looking at me like, why doesn't he hurry and finish? I'm getting bored. Wake up. I know that. Just messing with you. Now, First Chronicles 13. I won't read a story, but there's a part I want to read. Here it is. David loves God. And the Ark of the Covenant is not with them. So David says, let's go get the Ark, guys. Let's go. The first thing David does, he goes to the leaders and he says, should we go and get the Ark? First thing wrong. You don't inquire of men when it comes to the purposes of God. The ark should have been in Israel. He did not have to go and call a democratic council to determine whether or not we should go get God or not. The ark belonged where they were. Amen? He was the appointed leader of the nation. He should have gone. However, they said, yes, let's go get the ark. Good guys. So they go for the ark. And they're coming back and the priests are in place. Now David is a guy who loves the Lord. So David decides, look, this ark is too precious. And he says that David goes and he gets a new ark. Everybody say new. In other words, David said, look, the old stuff can't carry the new move of God. So he creates a new cart. And they go for the cart. And you see that in First Chronicles 13. And so they're coming back and they have the beautiful Hillsong music up front and Hosanna and integrity music. Woo! You know, the music of the day is going on well. And the cart hits this pothole. And it begins to fall off the cart. And this wonderful brother in the Lord, Uzzah, says, let me stop God from hitting the ground. And he jumps to hold the ark. And what happens? He dies. Now, I had a serious problem with that. I said, God, this guy genuinely wanted to save you from touching the ground. Save the ark from hitting the ground. He was genuine in his heart. And he died. David had a problem with that too. He was upset. And they left the ark. And they went on and they were upset. David is upset. And then David goes to God and David finds out what the issue was 
in First Chronicles 15. We're going to read that even though you may know it. First Chronicles 15. Verse 3. And David gathered all Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place which he had prepared for it. Then David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites. And it goes on to tell us about all of those Levites who he assembled. And let's jump down to verse 12. He says to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I prepared for it. Now everybody look at verse 13. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult Him about the proper order. That's, 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 that's some dangerous statements there. David is saying a man died. A man who loved God died because we were operating with a good heart in the wrong order. Our good hearts and our good desires do not produce the plan of God. There is only one thing. We must find the order of God and stick to it. Now, what was the order of God in that scenario? The priests were to carry the ark upon their shoulders. Not a new cart. The order of God said, when the ark is going to be moved, it is the priest who must carry it on their shoulders. The fact that he got a new cart did not prevent a man from dying. The fact that the praise and worship was right did not prevent a man from dying. When the order is off, it can be detrimental. Now, when you look in the church, you don't have to be a great man and woman of God to know the order is off. But what is sad, we're not being like David to go inquire of the Lord. What's wrong? We just find the next new fad and try to incorporate it. All across the earth. You go into Africa, they're importing everything from Mr. Jakes, everything from Benny Hinn, everything from Joyce Meyer, everything from Hillsong, everything from the newest fad is being imported. We read up all the books that come out and we just take from all the books and we just import it. But is there a company of people who will say, is this the order of God? 
And then when it runs out, we find the next thing. Now I don't, well, I was about to say, I don't know if that's happening in Bendigo, but I would be lying. It is happening. Now, why would God be sharing this with you? Because God has given you an opportunity to make change in your individual lives, but an opportunity to, to come and stand up in the realm of spirit to say, God, this must now change in our city. Our experience must be different. We want to see you, we want to see your order, and we want to see your kingdom established here. Let me tell you something. Leave those young people alone if this is what you're going to bring them into. Leave them where they are. Time for a change. It says that this man died and we lost the blessings of God's presence because we did not do it according to the due order. It is now time for us not to ask God for revival or visitation. It's time for us to ask God to come cleanse and reorder. The longevity of a thing is dependent on its, the character of its building material and its foundation. You know, sometimes we get bent out of shape. You know, we said, I'm not spending $2,000 for that. Because I can get a little Taiwanese deal for $50. But over the next two years, you're going to buy that same Taiwanese thing 20 times. Isn't that true? So it works out to the same thing. And that one $2,000 item that you refuse to buy because, you know, it's, you know it's a better quality, two years later it's still going strong. You get what I'm saying? Right? Now, do not compromise for the immediate satisfaction at the expense of the true quality that God wants to bring to our lives. God is seeking to raise up a people that are not only powerful in church, that you carry such a quality of life. In the community. When they look at your marriage, they said, you know what? Let's go talk with them. When they see how you work in your workplace, let's go talk with them. I remember I worked at a company for a number of years. And whenever I came to salary increase time and they couldn't do it, they would call me in and they would say, we can't give any bonuses or increases that year. And I said to them, that's not a problem with me. You don't pay me. I'm not here for your, your money. And they would be just... But in a few weeks' time, they would find some way to give me an increase. Are you, are you all here? They thought I was a rich man in that company. Because they situation did not, did not dictate my attitude nor productivity level. 
The productivity level spoke. It spoke so much that the general manager of the company, whenever, and this was an international company, when people had personal problems, the general manager would say, you need to go and see him. He will help you. Are you hearing? I remember the, when they were interviewing me for that job the first time, and this one really surprised me. They said, you know, you go for an interview, so what's your purpose? You know that question, you know? And I said, my purpose is to serve Jesus and his kingdom. I came out of that interview and I said, what on the face of the earth just came out of your mouth? You're crazy. This isn't church. Oh yeah? But that became the thing that God used to establish some things in that company. Now I'm not telling you to go and do that in an interview. I'm just trying to point out that when you make a decision that the standard which you're going to live by is the order of God, it begins to bring the kingdom to that situation. Look, the kingdom of God is not about developing a big ministry. It's not about even just healing the sick and getting, you know, devils casted out. That's just a part. But look, if you take a man, cast the devil out of him, and you can't help put something in him that will establish him, the Bible says his state is going to be worse than the beginning. So we're trying to reach this generation. We bring them into church. We have no substance to put into them. So we keep them entertained. Okay, this week we'll go have a pizza party. Next week let's just get some music and let's jam. And you know, and you, and just coming up with programs after programs because as soon as they start to run out of steam, let's find another new car. Quick, 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 quick. Are they going to move to that ministry down the road? Quick, 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 quick. Let's no substance to put in them because substance flows through the order. Are you all here? Substance flows through the order. If we're connected correctly with the Lord's order, then the life of God will flow down and flow in. So let's look to the Lord. And I don't know if we'll examine some of the things of order that need to come back. But I want to challenge each of you to return to the Lord. There's a church that I oversee in a particular city. And it has been going for around five years. We have different challenges, etc. And we decided to close down that church this year. Close it down. For the last six months. I now go into that city once per month. We take those same people. Friday night, serious prayer meeting, and Saturday and Sunday for between six to ten hours per day, we sit in the Word and examine the Word to find the order of God. You would not believe what has been happening in the lives of those people over six months, in com- over five months in comparison the last five years. Just recently, one of them stood up in the meeting and looked on her best friends and said, 
I have something I must confess. And she told some things that were in her life that her best friends for the last umpteen years never knew. The word began to enter into a dimension of her life past the, the church form that she was coming with to church every Sunday. The word got in and began to set the order of God. And she, and she was able to unveil. You know what? I've been deceiving you all. You could see the surprise on the faces of our friends when she confessed openly some of the things that were there. Best friends. Christians going to church. Now, that couldn't produce the will of God. We must become a people who allow God to get on the inside now and begin to take out. And as we begin to start this process of doing that, and I begin to look on this thing in my own life, and I begin to take that word in, even as I prepare for them, and I said, okay, God, go in, and I begin to see things inside of me, resident there for years, that God must now remove images of what success is. I mean, those are some of the most destructive things in the heart of church leaders now. The images that have been imported, not revealed by the Lord, His Word, and by the order of ministry that He puts in the church. Wrong images of success. God now wants to take out but he can't unless we go and break up the fallow ground. What's the hard ground? It has been trampled upon for so long by our lack of order that we can't even see that change needs to take place on the inside. Do you know, and I've been finding studies about this, that some of the most dissatisfied persons are pastors, Some of the most unfulfilled persons, the suicide rate has increased over the last few years among pastors and leaders. There has been a very high attrition rate of pastors giving up the ministry over the last 10 years. It has been increasing across the world rapidly. Why? No inward reality. Where the order is off, the life flow is removed. So, brethren, this is a serious time. And I recognize that what I'm sharing here, and it might not be new to you, but And we may look at some of this over the next few days. God is looking for a people who are not concerned about themselves. 
God wants to release something in the earth that cannot be shaken. Are you all hearing? God wants, you remember what the Queen of Sheba did? She traveled from miles away because something was built in the earth that drew her attention. He said when she came in and she looked in Solomon's house and she saw how the servants serve and how they were arrayed and she saw the excellence, he said her breath left her. This is what God wants out of our people. Let, let me show you in Psalms and I'll soon be finished. You know. You might look on Psalms 40, I think it's 48. Look what God is trying to build in the earth. Psalms 48, right? From verse 1. This is what God wants to build in you. This is how God wants to build us together. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God. Do you know who the city of God is? The people of God. In his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the old earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. We are Mount Zion. Are supposed to be the Mount Zion people. The city of the great king. God is in her palaces. He is known in her refuge. For behold, the kings assembled. They passed by it. They saw it. And so they marveled. They were troubled. They hastened away. Fear took hold of them, hold of them there, and pain as a woman in bird pangs. What am I saying? God wants to build a people in the earth. Now, when the kings of the earth and the principalities and powers look upon us and they see God in the midst of us and they see a dimension of life in the midst of us, He said, Pain takes a hold of them. Because they know they can't move that people. We're talking about the kingdom of God. It's not just an idea up there. It's about God coming in a, in a dimension in the midst of a people that they become a stronghold in the regions where they are, in, in the workplace where they are, in, in whatever they're doing. That they being there cannot be moved. You know, God has that territory because they are there. But it cannot happen. If there is inferior mixture inside of us. And I want to declare over the spiritual leaders of Benigo. Repent. For the kingdom of God is here. If you don't repent you come under judgment. And judgment doesn't mean that some earthquake happens and you die. Judgment could be God just locked you in your room and just wait for you to die. To raise up another generation. Even though you had a promise before. This is serious. You're not here for yourself or your ministry. There is no such thing as my ministry. There's only the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Jesus says, I am not here to do my will. You know, his brothers came to him once and said, Come man, let's go up to the feast. He says, look here. Any time is okay for you, but not for me. 
I only do what I see my father do. In other words, he says, it's my father's agenda. That's all that matters. He says, my meat, what I live for, is to do the will of him that sent me. Please, I want you to listen to this. And I'll soon be finished because... And we may touch some of it in the next few nights. Look. What is this haste that we are in? Things that have an enduring quality take time to be established. But when it is established, it's enduring. Can you imagine the man without sin? God takes 33 years to prepare him. For one moment. But we want one moment for 33 years. He takes 12 men and works with them for three and a half years. Intense daily working with. And look on what he produced. We've been trying to build numbers. That's an abomination in the house of God. You know, how to seek, build a seeker-friendly church. You know, how to bring in the latest technology that the young people can come into the house of the Lord. We want to fill our numbers and say, Oh, last year we were 200, now we are 500 strong and growing. Jesus never gave attention to the 5,000 and the 4,000 other than to heal them, feed them, marry them, and bury them. But 12 men invested the mysteries of the kingdom. In other words, he took a certain quality of substance and put into 12 men that in them would be formed a certain character that would stand and would endure. The other 5,000, he gave them the light stuff. Gave them parables. Gave them milk. And look what the church measures itself around. Put up all the wheelchairs and the crutches on the wall to show how powerful and how we're growing. That's the milk stuff. That's not the stuff of focus. We, we, we're better than Jesus. You know, we, we spend time with the crowds. Jesus spent time with the twelve. You know, but we have more wisdom than Jesus. We come to meetings and we just take the mysteries of the kingdom and we just throw them out there. Jesus says, the guy says, Jesus, every day you're hiding the mysteries from the crowd. But, you know, we're wiser than Jesus. You know? So we just give the crowd the mysteries. And they trample upon it. They dilute it. And it doesn't have the impact it should have. And then someone will say, see, they didn't have anything. See, it came and it went. That's not why. It came and it went because that substance was not put into a people. Look. Look. It is better to be patient in building 12 people solidly in the kingdom of God and you will establish 
establish things that will endure for the next ten generations. Because one man having a certain quality of substance in him affected change. It works both in the Christian camp and in the ungodly camp. One woman in the United States, one case has made abortion almost an established thing in the country. One woman has made no prayer in school almost an established fact. One person with a certain substance in them became the one who affected and transformed the face of a nation because of what's in them. Can God do the same thing in you and in me that though you're in Bendigo, the impact is being felt in Perth? That's what God is after. The kingdom to be established must be ordered. And hopefully if God allows we look on some of those issues of order that must be looked upon. Amen? You see, when a prophet comes to you, and this is another thing that needs to be changed. God told Jeremiah exactly what it was going to be like. You see, what have we seen of the prophetic in recent years? And please, I'm not talking about me. I'm just getting to know how learning how to, to be what God has said. He said, Jeremiah, you're going to pull down. You're going to throw down. You're going to destroy. Four things. Uproot, pull down, destroy, and another one. Four destructive things. Then the next two, plant and build. Because you can't build and plant on a foundation that's not according to the order of God. So a prophetic ministry comes to measure your lives. Measure the city. To see the quality of substance that is resident. And to measure the level of the order. And it cannot come blessing, planting and building if the order is off. It must come uprooting and destroying, casting down and, and, and trusting God. That there will be a response in the hearts of the people. That there can be a planting and a building. Are you all here? So you know this thing over the last few years, prophets come, everybody, oh, it's going to be a night of prophesying. Just come, come, oh, the hall full. You know, everybody getting ready, waiting for the prophecy to come. They're rebellious, they're out of order, and you want to hear the Lord's blessing you, sister. You're going to have $10,000 in three months. Sow a seed of $30 for three months, $300 per month, and you'll be good. God's changing the order of things. Let's stand. Hallelujah. If you want to see God's kingdom established, I'm asking you as you stand to talk to the Lord. Talk to Him. You can only talk to Him first about you. About God. 
What's happening in my life, in me? What's happening? Is your order operating in my life? Talk to the Lord. Don't wait for me to pray for you. You talk to Him. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to see. You know, when the man's eye was open, he says, Woe are me, for I am undone. Isaiah. All the time he had that condition there, he didn't see it. Ask the Lord, open your eyes to see your condition internally. And ask the Lord, Lord, if there's anything that's out of order, because I desire to see you and your kingdom established, Lord, show me where there is a lack of order. But secondly, Lord, I repent, which doesn't mean to confess sin. Confession of sin is a part of repentance. I confess where I have sinned, but to repent means to turn back to the right order. And Lord, I make a decision to turn. Talk to the Lord, please. Please talk to the Lord. Please talk to the Lord. This, you see, if you desire to see God's kingdom come and His will be done in the earth, then you must do this. You must make yourself available. God, not only do I confess and repent, I present myself to become that new wineskin. No mixture inside of me. Mixture can't take pressure. Mixture will fail under pressure. Please talk to the Lord. Talk to Him. Really reach out to God. Really reach out to God. Sometimes our ministries get in the way. Sometimes our importance gets in the way. Sometimes our pursuit in life. Sometimes the sorrow we have been through gets in the way. Put it down and just say, God, this is me. I surrender that you would reveal to me. If you're a leader here, bring everything, including the church, the ministry, everything, put it down, God. If the order is out in my household, talk to me. If your husband been treating your wife like a doormat, that order is wrong. If you have been a wife that has usurped authority, that order is wrong. If you've been a child who is rebellious, that order is wrong. And if you have been a child who has dishonored the parent, that order is wrong. It doesn't matter what, it's wrong. Just present yourself. And Father, tonight, as we present ourselves, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We recognize tonight you have not come here to beat us up. You have just come here to change us. 
We appreciate that, Father. You do not want us to have hearts that get led astray. Will you give us the desire of our heart like it said of Israel? They asked you for meat. You gave it to them and leanness came into their souls. Oh, Father God. Where we have been deceived, where we have been just out of order. We surrender our lives and we say, turn us. We know, oh God, and I know, Lord, I'm not from Bendigo, but we know that the order is out. We do not rejoice in that. We're asking you to have mercy upon Bendigo. I've heard of the reports of all these deaths. How these false religious spirits are coming in and setting up strongholds. Mighty God, we have not been able to impact or to change it because we are out of order. There is a gap in our armor, my God, that the enemy has found to infiltrate. But if you would come and change us, then life will again flow in this city like it should. Lord, let your spirit move with your word to the leaders of this city. Bringing them into conviction of the need for the due order of God. We say, let your kingdom come. And let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Glory to God. Amen. You receive from the Lord? Glory to God. Amen. Tomorrow morning, I think it's the pastors and youth. And I want to encourage the youth to come. I don't know what God is going to say, but just having a sensing that there is a generation that needs to be taught the order of God. And they are going to obey. I have that sensing. They are going to obey God. They are going to obey God. Because they have wanted the truth. Amen? Bless the Lord. Yes, sir. I'm finished.